Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 120, entitled Do No Harm. First let me jump jump in with a couple uh, emails from listeners. Uh, Nick sent me an email and said, great job as always on your podcast. During your Lost in Translation podcast, you mentioned on the weirdness of Mr. Pike's office. That scene was filmed on the mezzanine floor of the first Hawaiian bank building in downtown Honolulu. The building, completed a few years back, was designed to look like a giant sailboat. In the real world, the mezzanine uh, floor houses a museum. So th- uh, thank you very much, Nick, for that little tip there. Uh, I also received an email from Chris Graham in Richmond, Virginia. He said, while you were praising Hurley's capabilities as a great leader an ability which was hiding in plain sight during the whole show, I got to thinking about Hurley's name, says Chris, uh, and how that was significant to his final destiny in the show. So his first name is Hugo, which is a Latinized form of the name Hugh, which comes from a Germanic word for heart, mind, or spirit. I would say all of these words can apply to Hugo's personality and his abilities. His last name, Reyes, means king, and obviously he ends up being the, quote, king of the island. But in an even bigger sense, if you put both names together, he's the king of heart, mind, and spirit, which may be a good job description for Island's Defender. Chris, an excellent, excellent, excellent point. I just absolutely love it. Um, Particularly the the Reyes part, I think that, um, you know, that's, on the one hand, I feel like in retrospect, that's obvious enough, but certainly it's uh, it's the first time I've ever pondered uh, such a thing, uh, you know, was when I read your email. So... Thank you very, very much for that uh, that wonderful thought. And uh, Chris also had sent in uh, some more odds and ends in his email uh, regarding Jacob, which I'll I'll save for a later time. But um, just excellent uh, observation there, Chris. Uh, and last but not least, uh, there was uh, an email from Danielle from the Netherlands. She said, I like your show, and I'm glad Lost continues in all podcasts. Uh, Danielle will be reading an episode uh uh, pardon me, we'll be reading a, an episode summary for an upcoming podcast. Uh, she also was the first email that I've received from uh, someone overseas. So to Danielle, I say, bedankt, mon frau. Uh, that to Danielle from the Netherlands. Also, I'd like to mention that Shep Deuce left me a very, very uh, wonderful review on iTunes. He said exactly what I was looking for. And I uh, went on to say uh, that uh, in the year since the finale... Uh, he's found himself longing to fill the void of not having weekly exceptional storytelling, and this podcast is filling it. And Shep goes on to say, Matt, you're doing an excellent job guiding us back down the rabbit hole. So thank you very, very mu- much, Shep Deuce. Uh, I'm always just uh, uh, absolutely flattered to uh, to be getting feedback from people, whether it's on iTunes or via email, and uh, it is always very, very, very much appreciated. 
With that, let's get to the Wikipedia summary for this week's episode, 120 Do No Harm, and it is read today by Dan. Episode 120, Do No Harm. Flashbacks show the preparations for Jack's wedding to Sarah, a former patient whom he fixed after she was injured in a car accident. Jack agonizes over his vows, and his father, Christian, surprises him by showing up, giving Jack advice while writing the vows by the pool. His father says that Jack's strength is commitment, and that his problem is that he is just not good at letting go. Jack thinks over his father's words and eventually writes his vows just in time for the ceremony, finally settling on extolling how Sarah has fixed him. On the island. Boone has been critically injured by his fall inside the beechcraft in the previous episode. He has lost a lot of blood, one of his lungs has collapsed, and his right leg is crushed. In the chaos, Kate discovers that Claire has gone into unexpected labor. Meanwhile, Saeed surprises Shannon with a torch-lit dinner. Shannon tells Saeed that Boone is only her stepbrother and that he is kind of in love with her. Boone needs a transfusion of type A negative blood. Jack decides to give Boone some of his own negative blood. Jack tries to use bamboo as a needle but can't pierce his skin. Sun solves the problem by providing a sea urchin. Using the urchin's spines, Jack begins to give Boone his blood. Jin rushes to the cave, seeking help for Kate and Claire, but Jack is occupied with the blood transfusion. Jack gives Claire instructions for Kate on delivering the baby. As Jack begins to turn pale, Sun stops the transfusion because the blood is pooling in Boone's dead right leg. Jack tries to save Boone's leg, but it's beyond repair and Boone will die if it is not amputated. Jack is prepared to find a way to cut off Boone's leg. Boone suddenly regains consciousness and tells Jack to just let him go. Boone reveals to Jack that he and John Locke discovered a mysterious hatch, and Locke told him not to tell anybody else. Boone says, tell Shannon I, but dies without finishing the sentence. Claire gives birth to a healthy baby boy. Jack tells Shannon that Boone had died. Shannon immediately goes to the caves and cries out loud over Boone's dead body. As the episode concludes, Jack goes looking for Locke, thinking that Boone was murdered. Thank you very, very much, Dan, for reading that uh, summary. Uh, and uh, anybody else who's interested in reading the summary in the future, you can send me an email. I'll tell you what episode I'm working on. Uh, obviously, you can be using your, your cell phone to record it, your uh, home computer, whatever works for you. Anyhow, with that, uh, at long last, let me finally get into my various thoughts about the episode. Um, starting out, the previously unlost segment strikes me as rather pathetic. There's nothing wrong with it, but... If you missed last week's episode, you know, my goodness, you're in trouble. Um, the episode proper opens right where we left off. Uh, it's also an excellent choice to have a heartbeat sound in the background. Just a very, very nice, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no drama here uh, in, in terms of, you know, getting us hooked in. If you watched last week, you just want to, you want to get things moving. So they very wisely do just that. Um, also, I'm usually pretty rough on Jack, um, but if he's going to yell at people, now's the time to do it, what with this severely wounded guy and all. Um, he also shows that he's one heck of an ER doctor. You know, last week I made reference to, uh, to, to Locke, at times, being the daddy to the group, uh, insofar that the same is true for Jack. Uh, he's quite the strong leader in this crisis situation. So not, not too much jack bashing going on uh, for me this time. Um, as the flashbacks start, it's a good little fake out, making us think that Silverman is the groom. Uh, it's a cheap trick, but it's a good one. Um, it just, you know, it works. Sometimes these cheap tricks work. Um, that said, I mean, knowing what we all do about the episode... I love that the teaser act ends with Jack reaffirming that he will save Boone. I mean, there's your dramatic irony. 
Um, and I think a lot of the um, I think a lot of the effectiveness of the episode is that we really genuinely think Boone is going to live. You know, deep down, we don't we don't buy into the fact that he's going to die until the end of the episode, which we will discuss in due course. But um, you know, it's it's part of what makes the episode work the first time. I think that perhaps it's not as effective an episode the second time, and I'm not going to be too rough on the show for that. Um, I mean, given that the big surprise is that he dies, uh, you know, if you know that he dies um, and that surprise is gone, then, I mean, there's, there's you can only be so rough on the show here, despite the fact that I, I, I gen, generally am rather rough. It's not going to be too rough this time. Anyhow, um, there's another great touch uh, for all of Sawyer's pomp and circumstance and attitude, when Kate runs onto the beach and says, Sawyer, I need all your alcohol, uh, you know, in this panicked, determined tone, his face turns grim with the situation and he moves to get it. There's, you know, no out in the wild here. He's acknowledging that they are a community slowly but surely. Apologies for the noise in the background there. My town chooses to use that as a fire whistle uh, because apparently they can't use radios like normal fire companies and first aid companies but anyhow they're there when you need them uh moving on um another uh there's yet another great touch um when charlie is asking jack questions where is Locke? did Locke just leave where is shannon shannon's boone's sister blah 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 jack screams i don't know the look on his face when he turns to charlie shows jack's utter fear and and kind of acknowledgement of the chaos around him and I don't mean that to bash Jack. He's kept his stuff together in their makeshift ER. He's stabilized Boone for the time being. Uh, but now that he's able to step away, he realizes that he's a skilled doctor whose ER is tarp and a cot. His nurse is a housewife, and his technician is a fugitive. That's the time to have fear and chaos. Uh, you know, he it's it, it's a it's an excellent performance out of uh, Jack in this episode. Uh, and in that scene, there's just this acknowledgement that all the I mean, here he's this brilliant surgeon. And what's the what's the flashback story about? The brilliant surgeon who saved Sarah, you know, the the one who was able to bring her back from this awful injury. And here he has the exact same skills, the same medical training, the same medical pedigree from his father, the same the same hands, the same brain, but he doesn't have the tools and you know, I mean, maybe maybe it's at that point, uh, or even early on in the episode, where Jack is starting to acknowledge to himself, you know, that even if he gives 110%, even if he literally gives himself, literally gives his blood, that Boone is in, in big, big trouble. Um, moving on, hearing Jack's future wife, Sarah, for some reason her name never sticks with me, but hearing her speak at the, the, the dinner thing, which I suppose is a rehearsal dinner um there's the added irony of course uh jack saved her whereas he won't save boone um on top of that jack saved her from boone's stepfather and shannon's father let's not forget that's the other you know the person on the other side of that uh, of sarah's accident uh, it's one of those lost connections where there are two ships passing the night and uh, to me just a reminder that we are all uh, you know we're all connected there's not some grand conspiracy it's just that we are connected we are one community uh of the world this sort of thing um that said you know it's a 
it's an okay uh, uh, flashback story, I suppose. But each time we return to the island story, it is not always fun. We hold his shoulders. But of course, being the resetting of Boone's leg, I hope that didn't um, blast your uh, blast your headphones off you there. I did try and lower the volume for the screams. Um, that's just the definition of tension, suspense, drama, that kind of countdown there. Uh, and of course, for the actual scream, they so, so wisely cut to Hurley outside the tarp area. Boone is shown only in shadows, and Hurley's covering his ears like he's a child trying to keep out the the awful world it's just uh it, i mean it's just a uh, a remarkably uh efficient and direct uh way to do that it's just you know kudos to the show um and of course you know after that the show uh, isn't going to let up the show likes to pile things on what are you doing out here nothing just leave me alone please <sighs> <sighs> So there's kind of this obvious um, uh, dichotomy, this obvious contrast between uh, life and death, the birth of Aaron, the death of Boone. Um, Perhaps I didn't have my lost thinking cap on the first time I I saw this back in 2005. I mean, again, I I marvel at the fact that um, particularly in light of Charlie not dying at at uh, Ethan's hand. Um, I mean, at this point, probably about ten episodes ago. I think that as viewers, upon initial viewing, we truly underestimate the possibility that Boone is going to die. Um, that said, I mean, you know, the fact to me, uh, you know, the intelligent first time viewer still should kind of have his or her um, his or her ears pricked up. When you hear the baby's coming, uh, just because there's this, there's this lovely, sad dichotomy of it all, the birth of one, the death of another. Um, and as a side note, by the way, Claire, in, in this scene, uh, Claire sits on a dark volcanic stone. Uh, I surely can't be the only one who wondered upon first viewing if that was the black rock um particularly as it increasingly looks like uh, it's going to be the place that claire gives birth um obviously it's uh it's a tremendously wrong uh supposition uh <laughs> tremendously so but I, I i just mentioned it because uh i wonder if anyone else out there you know upon first viewing just wondered if that was the black rock i mean because she is sitting on a lowercase b lowercase uh r Black Rock. It's not the Black Rock with capital letters, but anyhow, um, I have to say too that um, there's a little bit later in that scene when Claire tells Kate that she can't leave her, and Kate reaffirms that she will stay. Uh, I was struck by the memory of the series finale that this birth, in in, in a large sense, will happen again. Uh, it was just a very, very powerful. Uh, it was a powerful memory, and I was actually kind of brought to tears by it. Um, uh, it was just uh, it. It's. I mean, I suppose the credit is more on 
the series finale than here. The fact that they were wise enough to call back to that. But uh, it was just uh, it, it was a nice little moment looking back at, as we do on this podcast. Um, moving back to Jack for a moment. Jack rather condescendingly explains to Son about the difficulty of drawing blood. Um, you know, it's this business of uh, trying, you know, it's like trying to stab a wet noodle in the center. And it's, you know, as I say, it's a bit condescending, but frankly, I'll let it pass as he is this tremendously talented doctor who realizes that his talents are only going to go so far with the medical tools around him. Uh, and obviously, it's an, a tremendously high pressure scene. Um, Sticking with Jack for a bit, uh, in Jack's flashback, his fiance Sarah, visits him in what I'm assuming is the hotel lobby. Uh, she's wearing her PJs, a, a T-shirt and drawstring pants. Uh, her shirt has the number 44 on it. Uh, personally, I was sitting there going, oh, you couldn't go for, for 42, guys? Um, now, I know some people would say, oh, well, it's 44. It's the number four twice. You know, eh, you know whatever. I don't know what the rationale was one way or the other um, for that particular T-shirt. Um, I mean, it's also possible, too, that the, you know, I mean, 20 episodes in, you know, whenever they're filming this, certainly the show has, an, they know that as the show is airing, when they are filming this episode, that the show has enough of a uh, a, a, a rabid, engaged, thinking fan base. Um I mean, to me, though, you show up with 44. Here we are com- coming off of uh, the numbers episode uh, in, in, in recent memory. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, here we are. The fact that we're discussing, you know, the number on her T-shirt shows that if you're going to put a number on there to, to choose carefully, perhaps. I don't know. Um, as a technical note, by the way, in that scene, it seems that a lot of her dialogue was looped, which is to say uh, recorded again or, or recorded after the fact. Um, and, you know, it's just perhaps a tad obvious. Um, moving on, we get uh, some wonderful advice from Jack on how to deliver a baby. Hot water. How do we take hot water? I'm sure you'll figure all of that out. All right, you tell Jen to take Charlie with him and go back to Claire. I know. Uh, that dilating thing. How do I look out, Charlie? Listen to me. Tell Kate. Charlie, look at me. Tell Kate to wait until the contractions are 60 seconds apart. You got that? Now, she's going to need to make sure that Claire pushes not too hard, not too fast, just until the head is clear, and then as hard as she can. And when the baby is out, make sure she clears its nose and its mouth. Okay, but you'll be dead by then, right? No, I won't. Jack? I'm not going anywhere. I need to stay here. Now, you tell Kate. She's going to have to deliver this baby. Now, for whatever it's worth, I will just mention that those aren't the instructions I've heard before. I thought that once the contractions reach whatever point, fine, Jack here is saying every 60 seconds, you just push with all you've got for each contraction. Um, but, say lovey, well, well, whatever, we won't dwell on that too much. Um, the end of that act feels a bit contrived to me, with Jack saying, you tell Kate she's going to have to deliver this baby herself. The music rises and we feel all tense. I think, though, I mean, we feel that it's a bit contrived too i mean we've known since about 60 seconds into the first episode of the show that this baby was coming one day right you know jack's surveying the chaos right after the crash and we see claire on all fours belly uh very obvious uh, i think she even says something like i'm having contractions or this sort of thing so 
kind of we the audience we know that this baby was coming one day and now here the baby is there's kind of no huge shock there um anyhow um seeing shannon and saeed kiss i couldn't help but wonder how badly these characters must stink no showers no hot water etc i probably wasn't supposed to be focusing on that i'm sure um, of course, later in the scene, Shannon is given the deep, deeply ironic line about how Saeed and Shannon are stranded here for a long time, and so is Boone. Uh, irony, Boone, Boone exiting in this episode, and then, uh, and then, well, Shannon's demise not too, too far behind. Um, back to the baby stuff. I feel like with the baby business, the show kept treading into corny territory. Claire declaring that she's scared. Kate saying, I'm scared too, but we're going to get through this together. Um, that certainly isn't to say that such feelings in real life are, are, are corny or inappropriate. But, uh, I mean, you know, how many births have you seen on TV? How many times have you seen a, a, a TV birth? Um, I, I, you know, I'd say that they're, they're as common or, or almost as common as a TV death. And just as you don't... Um, just as there are certain rules, say, you know, if you're watching some cop show and the the bad guy, you know, when anybody gets killed, um, you know, just as you don't treat that as you might if you're actually standing there in the street seeing someone get killed, you know, you, there are kind of certain rules for drama for that. I'd say there are certain rules for drama uh, when it comes to a, a TV baby being born. And as I say, it just kind of, kind of treads into corny territory. Um, this is an episode, too, where... I kept leaning towards not really caring about the flashback that I just felt at points. I literally did not care about the flashback story. I kept feeling interrupted by the show asking to slow the question. If Boone will die and the birth of the baby and the slow way in which the show lets the viewer daunt the fact that just as surely as life is going to enter the world in this episode, there's this wonderful juxtaposition of death. There's all of this kind of going on on Island and we cut to Jack sitting with his feet in the pool, belly aching to his dad about how to write proper vows. If he loves Sarah, he loves her. He loves her not. How much does he love her? Seeing his father give him wonderful, caring advice is also a bit too on the nose for its juxtaposition for the daddy-son issues that we've already seen. It's just, eh. And it's not even kind of, you know, uh, frustrating in a good sense where you're saying, you know, oh, there, there's this fantastic story over here keeping me away from the boon bit over there. It's just kind of like, you know, gee whiz, dad, I'm so unsure. You know, meanwhile, there's the real action going on on the island. Um, to be fair, though, the flashback scene does, however, end with Christian telling Jack that he has, you know, that the son has a problem letting go. Uh, the scene then cuts to the injured boon. And, uh, you know, I must say, upon viewing this episode for the first time, I, I mean, indeed, I was not properly wearing my critical hat. Um, they really are giving clues as the episode goes on that Boone is a dead man. Then on the flip side, we get that kind of, uh, that, that wonderful notion uh, contrasted by some more pathetically trite Kate dialogue, kind of uh, as an example of some of the, uh, some of this, uh, well, TV baby business. Do you want this baby now? Do you want it to be healthy and safe? Okay. 
baby knows that too. You're not alone, Amos. We are all here for you. This baby is all of us. But I need you to push, okay? Perhaps I'm not uh, sufficiently in the moment. Perhaps I'm just being callous. Uh, but this just seems like the sort of dialogue that anyone would write. Uh, the sort of thing that gets repeated over and over in a labor. And don't get me wrong, it's fine for real life, but it's just not great TV writing. This isn't, you know, a documentary of uh, the miracle of childbirth. This is, you know, a 43-minute uh, TV drama. And, uh, well, anyhow, enough, enough belly aching about that on my part. Um, that sort of dialogue is contrasted by the wonderful, wonderful tension that the episode builds as we're led to believe that that leg is going to be amputated by the baggage door. Uh, this I remember so well from six years ago, being convinced that the show was going to, going to you know, slice that leg off as I curled up in my chair, horrified. Uh, for all the clues, losing a character was out of the option, it felt. Um, at least when the flashback to Jack's wedding interrupts the island amputation, the effect it, at that point is dramatic tension. Fine, show me the rather boring wedding at that point because you're sitting there saying, you know, he's lifted the door up. Is he going to pull it down to slice that bloody broken leg off? You know, that's the perfect time to go with, you know, Sarah, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's how you do it. Um, however... Think about what the effect is on the flashback. We're literally about to cut Boone's leg off, or or he will die. And the tension of that scene is drawn out by more kind of pedantic writing of, I didn't fix you, you fixed me, I'll love you forever. Uh, it rings hollow, if only because we know at that point, we know even upon first viewing, that, that she's not around uh, as his wife for very, very long. Um, still, though, I have to air on the side of uh of uh the the tension of the moment definitely i i suppose marginally makes it uh worth it but um but then of course we we do return on island uh the the door is not brought down on boone's leg and uh well and we hear this That's the point that we actually truly start to consider that the show actually has let the tension breathe enough and we actually start to consider and realize that we're losing a character for real. It's masterful that they don't jerk us around, that the show asks us to start to accept the reality that Boone is dying uh, and then now openly juxtaposes it with Aaron's birth. Now it's making sense to the viewers, the happiness that Claire... Kate, Charlie, and Jin feel the smiles, the hugs, the handshakes, the tears of happiness as a mother holds uh, a mother holds her son, cut with the sadness of of Jack holding Boone.
Once again, the show reminds us that this disparate mix of survivors is us, reflecting on our joys and sorrows. The show also wisely lets its final act play without dialogue. Uh, the, the main bunch of survivors crowding over the baby reminds us that hope springs eternal. Jack telling Shannon as Giacchino's music breaks our hearts uh, is, is just so wonderfully done. We don't need to hear the words, what, what words can be said uh, beyond the obvious, um, but the music captures the emotion. Uh, and indeed, for all the lousy lines and mousy characterizations that Maggie Grace has been given for her Shannon, she just reduces us to tears with her wordless and soundless mourning over her brother. It's just uh, it's a spectacular uh, way to wrap up that final act. Uh, my only complaint is that the show ends by needing to pay the bills. The show can't simply just break our hearts and send us to the credits with tears in our eyes. The show can't send us to bed sad and depressed from our evening's bit of television, unfortunately. Uh, all of those things, in my opinion, would have been fine, but the show chooses not to do it. Instead, it changes the mood, a mood that has been created and crafted for 42 minutes, and it changes that simply to propel us for next week. Talk about what? You die, Jack. You didn't die. He was murdered. What? Jack, where are you going? Find John Locke. That ending just takes me out of the episode completely. In my opinion, it just cheapens uh, what has been crafted uh, for all these, uh, you know, for for all these minutes. And I mean, even going back into last week's episode, you can view, uh, you can view one nineteen and one twenty as as um, as a two parter, certainly. Um, and it just kind of ends with you know, essentially, uh, tune in next week to find out what happens next. Um, I would have been okay with them just kind of punching you in the gut and leaving you there crying and uh, and being secure in the knowledge that you would return back. Uh, I don't know if that decision was um, you know solely made on the on the uh, part of the writers and producers. Was there network pressure to make you uh, make sure that uh, you know, people tune in next week? Um, was there just internal writer and producer uh, pressure to, to to give some sort of hook? I mean, certainly that. You know, ending with a hook, ending with some sort of thing to propel you to next week—that's not new at all for Lost, um, and it's it's you know generally present in in many dramas. Um, I don't know. It just to me, it, to me, it just kind of ruined it. Not, I mean, not ruined the episode, but certainly ruined the ending for me. Um, however, with that though, the episode is over. Though, uh, though, I do feel a bit angry at that cheap twisty ending. Uh, and though I feel a bit spoiled, uh, the episode might be over, but the podcast, as I often say, is not. Let's take a quick look at Lostpedia to see whatever little bits and pieces I have missed. Um, first, Lostpedia mentions that uh, Jack is worried about whether his father will show up at the wedding, but there's no mention of whether his mother is present. I think that is a completely legit um, error on the part of the show. If you just had the mother there... Um, 
then that would answer that question. Perhaps the actress was unavailable and they just decided not to uh, not to draw attention to it. Um, perhaps if you want to read some larger daddy issue, and I'm not worried about mommy, it's all about daddy kind of thing. I, I suppose that's that's an argument to be made, but not a realistic one. Um, if only for keeping up appearances sake, you know, you'd be concerned about why mom isn't there. But anyhow, uh, I would suspect, with with no evidence, I would suspect that it's probably a case that the actress was not available uh, or they weren't inclined to pay the actress, whatever her rate might be, um, to bring her all the way to Hawaii just to have her there for the sake of continuity. Um, Certainly they could have explained it away with, you know, oh, mom's broken leg and she can't make it here, you know, something like that if they wanted to draw attention to the fact that she wasn't there. But anyhow... Um, scenes from this episode were reused, says Lostpedia, in The Little Prince, when Sawyer, traveling through time, observes Claire giving birth in the jungle from afar, and then again in the end, when Kate helps Claire give birth again. Uh, certainly I remember that, that Sawyer episode, The Little Prince, or that, that instance of Sawyer, uh, witnessing this again. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful moment, and, um, well, a, a precious moment indeed. Uh, last but not least... As Kate is getting back up after falling early on in the episode and breaking the alcohol in her backpack, she can be mumbling. Uh, she can be heard mumbling the f word under her breath. It is at the nine oh three mark. Now, people who uh, listen to this podcast each week from the very, very beginning to the very, very end might uh, know that I always have a little Easter egg at the end. Let me stress that uh, I've, because I would never want to jeopardize the. Uh, clean tag on itunes uh i want to stress that you absolutely do not need to listen to the very end easter egg at the end of this episode because in no way would it ever be uh this bit of dialogue from the show so whatever you do don't listen at the very very end for that anyhow let's look ahead to next week next week's episode will be 121 entitled the greater good a saeed episode that also features of course boone's funeral a reminder, too, that new episodes launch to my website, iTunes, and the Lost Podcasting Network feed all on Fridays. If you'd like to give some feedback, you can say hello to me on Twitter, where I am looking back lost. You can send an email, either a text or voice message, or inquire about reading an episode summary to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. My webpage, of course, is lookingbackatlost at podbean.com. And you can always find the show on iTunes by searching for Looking Back at Lost, and reviews are always appreciated. Thank you once again for listening. Uh, it was uh, a pleasure to do this episode. It took took quite a bit of time to actually get it to uh, get it uh, get it done. I had a very bad cold. I lost my voice for a couple of days. It's been a busy time of year, etc. Um, but anyhow. Happy to have had you uh, join me once again for the journey, and I will see you all again or speak to you all again next week for 121 The Greater Good. Take care, and bye bye.